0: Welcome to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. When you're looking for solutions to pain, we are here to help. Whether success for you means lifting a grandchild, getting back to work, or simply walking up the stairs without pain, Rock Valley Physical Therapy is here to help with compassionate, expert clinicians whose goal is to make care as fun and easy as possible. Each episode, we will spend time learning from healthcare providers and patients in hopes of offering solutions to your own aches and pains. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. We are recording this on July 23rd. It's a blazing hot day outside, so if you listen to this right now, hopefully you get your outdoor activities in early tomorrow, your your run, your gardening, whatever you need to do, get it done early before it's hot. I think here in the Des Moines area we're looking at mid to high 90s, so stay cool, drink water, and uh, today I'm sitting in air conditioning joined by Michelle McMurray, who is a hand therapist at Rock Valley. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Let's start off. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe why you got into hand therapy as as a profession.
1: So by degree, I am an occupational therapist. I have worked for Rock Valley for about 19 and a half years. Um, For the most part, my focus has been hands. Um, initially I, I did a little bit um, inpatient rehab and acute all through Rock Valley. Um, but um, hands is kind of where I fell um, towards my liking. I feel that it's very it's very different. every patient, just like with anything is very unique, but um, it's very challenging and that's that's where I wanted my career to go. Um, I, went to graduate school in Chicago uh, at Midwestern University in Downers Grove, and I pretty much graduated on a Saturday and started with Rock Valley the following Monday, and I've been here ever since.
0: And of course, you got that question on day one. How long have you been doing this, right?
1: (laughs) And it's always fun when you tell them jokingly that they're your first patient.
0: Right, but seriously, (laughs) you're my first patient today. (laughs) Well, great. Yeah, it's great to hear that background. I think a question we hear a lot in the PT world anyway is what's the difference between an OT and a PT? And I'm sure you get that question all the time. So if I was a patient, how would you explain that difference to me?
1: We do get that a lot, um, especially working for a company with the name uh, physical therapy. And in, in a hand therapy setting, outpatient rehab, you really can't tell the difference. And a lot of patients, I feel like until I tell them or they specifically look at um, our business card don't know that we're an OT versus a PT. But again, I feel it's, it's setting dependent. Um, if you were in a inpatient rehab setting, um, the PTs would typically, you know, get up and help you walk and, and work on your mobility. Whereas the OTs would work with you on things to do once you get to a place. They might work with cooking, bathing, dressing, Um, Some OTs even work um, with driving in in those types of settings.
0: Yeah, and kind of the other way I've heard it broken down in those settings is the PTs work on kind of the bigger gross motor movements where the OTs will work on more of the fine-tuned activities. But again, Mm -hmm. in the outpatient world, we don't have that differentiation necessarily. so. So let's take that question one step further now. OT versus PT, we've talked about that difference. What's the difference between a hand therapist like yourself and an OT or a PT? So
1: I'm probably a little biased. Um, any um, OT or PT could, could technically treat hands, um, but I feel like hand therapy is a very intricate and, and special delineation. We work a lot with, specifically with hand surgeons. I feel like there's an extra level of um, skill that we have um, through training. And a lot of it is not taught in um, the graduate level programs. Um, most of what I learned um, was on the job, and I was very grateful that I was able to do this and get a job in hand therapy. Um, so, from you know the get-go, I've I've gotten exposure to this, and that's kind of one of those things. that's the best way to learn um, hands-on, no pun intended. But um, you don't learn this in school, and every patient is going to be different, and to get the feel for you know any joint or any diagnosis. Everybody's going to be different. Um, Every surgeon's different. So knowing that kind of brings it up to another level that you have to know what each individualized surgeon does. They're all trained different. They all expect different things, which doesn't necessarily go just specifically with hand therapy, but I feel like we see it a lot more with um, protocols and um, things that each specific surgeon likes.
0: Yeah. And as an outpatient physical therapist, I will occasionally see a hand, but we've got an amazing hand therapist right down the street from us that pretty, I'm pretty quick to refer to her if I'm not sure what I'm doing, or if I feel like I'm sitting there holding hands with somebody not knowing what to do next, right? So can you expand one more step on that even and tell us how does one become a hand therapist? So you graduate OT or PT school, and then how do you actually get that designation as a hand therapist?
1: So there's a board exam. Um, so I am, I guess, by examination now a certified hand therapist, a CHT. So to be eligible to sit for the the exam for that, you have to be out practicing three years and have about two thousand hours, essentially a year full time of um, experience in in hand therapy. That doesn't necessarily have to be under CHT, but it's very beneficial and it helps. Um, So that's just another kind of level. So if I have a patient that is, you know, going somewhere across the country and they want to know, you know, a therapist to see, I will tell them that when they're scheduling this therapy visit with another therapist to make sure that they look for a CHT for those credentials.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so to even get certified, you have to have seen a lot of hands prior to that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
0: So tell us a little bit about kind of what are the most common diagnoses that you typically see in your setting, anyway? And, um, you know, maybe if you have certain diagnoses that you really enjoy working with, or if you just love it all, or what?
1: In our setting, we see a lot of um, fractures. All different types from the finger to the wrist to the elbow. Um, We do see a lot of carpal tunnel patients, more probably post-op than conservative. Um, I feel like a lot of people think when they think hand therapy that's what they think of is carpal tunnel. Um, I have a lot of patients, you know, ask other people, oh are you here because you had carpal tunnel? And the majority of people are not, um, but it's just kind of a common, I feel like, association that people have with hand therapy.
0: Michelle, can you uh, give us a 30-second explanation of carpal tunnel? I think everybody listening's probably heard of that, but not everybody really knows what it is.
1: So carpal tunnel syndrome is essentially uh, an irritation of the median nerve as it passes through the wrist. Um, There's a small area within the carpal bones that nerves, vessels, tendons pass through, and when something in that tunnel gets compressed, the nerve is kind of, I think, of like the weakest link. So that's where you have a lot of the issues. So patients end up having numbness and tingling um, predominantly in their thumb index middle and the thumb side of their ring finger. A lot of the times when talking to patients, what actually has brought them into either therapy or to see the surgeon is they will have frequent pain at night that wakes them up from sleep. Um, They will also notice um, that they begin to drop things. Some patients will tell me that they have had this for 10 plus years, Um, others it's just happened and they've went um, to the doctor and had surgery or are having conservative measures done. I always um, talk to the patients that have been dealing with this for a very long time because the expectations are a little different Um, If it's a case where they've had surgery after having this for 10 years, it's not necessarily going to correct everything, but it will prevent it from getting worse. So I think when the patients know that up front, that definitely helped.
0: Yeah. Setting those expectations right off the bat is key in anything PT or OT related. Absolutely. All right. So we talked about carpal tunnel. What other diagnoses? I interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: Um, I I like seeing uh, tendon repairs. They're very challenging. Um, this isn't any kind of an elective surgery, so the patient isn't necessarily here by choice. They're here to get better, um, typically due to an accident or an injury. Um, another one that I guess I've probably grown to really like is a thumb CMC arthroplasty. Essentially, it's a, a joint replacement for the at the base of your thumb due to Many things. Um, Sometimes it's just wear and tear over time. And most patients are very um, successful with it. Again, we just have to set expectations up front that it's going to take a long time for rehab and to get to where they feel a lot better.
0: Yeah. And are those becoming more commonly performed, those CMC replacements?
1: I feel like they are. But again, I'm also in this little niche where I see a lot of them for a long time. Um, I think that there's a lot of patients that before they went to their doctor with thumb pain had never heard of a joint replacement for the base of the thumb. And I feel like a lot of the education that we end up telling patients is that it's completely different from like getting a new knee. So when you get a new knee, the therapist might come in a day or the next day and you're moving it. With a thumb um, arthroplasty joint replacement, it's completely different. They're rebuilding a new joint out of soft tissue. They're not putting in a metal component. So you need that joint to be as stable as possible. And my metaphor with patients is I will tell them that basically the surgeon built you a new joint, like putting a foundation up for a new building. You want that building to be stable so that joint needs to be solid, be it, you know, depending on the surgeon's protocol, be it four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, before you can move that joint, you want that to be stable so that essentially that building doesn't crumble and that that thumb joint stays stable so that you can use it.
0: Yeah, so it is very different than a knee replacement. While we're on thumb arthritis, what are some conservative options for treatment that you might implement if somebody's either not quite to the point where they need a replacement or don't want to do it?
1: So I would have them get a brace for their thumb Um, Maybe I would have them get a soft one to wear during the day so they can use it for function, and a longer one that includes the wrist to wear at night just to kind of rest everything. Um, We have also done some stabilization exercises to stabilize the muscles around that joint. Um, It's not like we can rebuild the joint for them, but if you can stabilize things around it, it's going to help kind of decrease the pressure on that joint to let them function.
0: Yeah. Protection mode and maintenance mode versus full recovery, right?
1: Yes. And the other thing that I try to express to them is modifying their activities. I feel like that's huge. And one thing that um, I don't think most patients realize is if you have essentially a pound of pressure at the tip of your thumb, like you're, you know, you're picking up a pen or something, it is a, between 13 and 15 times that amount at the base of your thumb. So that kind of puts it in a little bit of perspective. It's like, well, I didn't do that much, but we'll multiply whatever you do times that on this small joint and and it adds up quickly.
0: Yeah, and oftentimes it's things like, you know, grabbing the skillet and picking that up and think how heavy a cast iron skillet is times 13 or 15 right
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen some really Nice results with people getting splinted and braced, and you know, at least buying themselves some time with that thumb and getting them more functional in the in the yard or kitchen or whatever they need to do. So, hats off to you hand therapists for that. Any other diagnoses? Um, I guess how much how much of what you see is surgical versus non-surgical? Do you think?
1: I would say probably between sixty-five and seventy-five percent of what we see is surgical. That seems kind of high, but but I, I do feel that that we do see a lot of post-operative patients in the setting that I'm in. I'm in a building and um, there's surgeons upstairs from us, so we do see a lot of their post-ops directly right away. Whereas somebody that's not you know in the associated building might not necessarily see post-ops as frequently as we do.
0: Sure. And as with anything, communication is key, right? I mean, hand therapist to surgeon to patient, they all have to be on the same page to, to make that progress that they want to make and make the recovery.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: One other topic we had in mind was kind of helpful tips for patients in general. But one specific question I wanted to ask you is, how does somebody... to see an OT or maybe a hand therapist specifically. So let's say I've been dealing with carpal tunnel off and on for the last year and I'm just not quite sure what to do. My doctor you know said I could go see a hand surgeon but I don't think it's ready for that. What should I do? How do I approach that?
1: So the nice thing about the states that I work in, Iowa and Illinois, is patients can directly access um, our therapy services. They can call one of the clinics and ask to get in with one of the hand therapists. And if they're nearby to a clinic that doesn't have a hand therapist specifically, we will communicate to the best of everybody's knowledge, whether it's you know a, a telehealth visit at this point or communication with the therapist that's, that's close by them so that they can get that education. But the, the nice thing is they don't have to go to a visit with a hand surgeon to see a therapist or you know in this case, specifically a hand therapist that direct access has, has made things a lot easier for people. And if it's one of those things where we feel that that patient does need to see a hand surgeon, then by all means, we will send them there.
0: Yeah. Oh. And oftentimes I'm sure you can facilitate that a little quicker if needed too, with your connections with some of the, the docs to get them Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I feel like patients appreciate the connections that we have too, and they feel a little more comfortable yeah,
0: knowing
1: yeah. that just because they see this hand surgeon doesn't mean that they're going to have to have surgery.
0: Right. And ultimately, if they end up having surgery, they've already created a connection with you and, you know, will presumably need some type of therapy afterwards. And they've, they've already built some relationship there. So that's really nice. And on our end in PT, anyway, that certainly reduces people's anxiety and stress about post-operative care. You know, they're not yes. quite as anxious coming into it.
1: Yes. And then if we happen to be fortunate enough to see them preoperatively, we can kind of tell them what's ahead after surgery. And then that reduces their anxiety as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a huge difference. What else did you have in mind as far as helpful tips for patients that you wanted to share?
1: I think if you can at all, you know, times use the bigger joints, you know, instead of using that thumb and index finger to pick something up, use your other digits Um, If you can think of scooping something up uh, versus pinching, that will be very helpful long-term. The one thing that comes to mind is new moms or new grandmas with a baby. Everybody traditionally thinks of picking the the new little one up underneath um, the armpits. Well, that pressure on the thumb and the tendons on the thumb side of the wrist over time gets a little overused and sore and painful, Um, It's technically called aquirvain's tenosynovitis. I've lovingly called it mommy's thumb. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times people know exactly what I'm referring to with the motion. So in that case, I would highly encourage them to kind of scoop the baby. So one hand on the back and one hand under the bottom. And I realize it's easier with different smaller children versus the ones as they get larger. But I think that just these little things over time add up. Even like with Velcro tabs and, you know, opening and closing diapers all the time. Again, if you can use your fingers, use more joints, um, that's more beneficial. Anytime that you can do lifting closer to your body, that will help as well. Um, The other thing is I'm talking about tips that comes to mind is, you know, tennis elbow. Um, When people go to lift something up, you know, even like a coffee cup or something, it's really easy to, lift with your fingers, palm down around the rim and pick it up. That is forcing your wrist extensors to stabilize the wrist so you don't drop that coffee mug. Um, And over time, again, that becomes painful and inflamed. So anytime that you can lift something with your palm up or even neutral, that's gonna save on those wrist extensors. Your flexors are about three times stronger. So anytime that you can lift something with your wrist inflection, that would be ideal to save on some pain.
0: Yeah, so wrist flexors are, they attach kind of by the funny bone for the people out there that don't necessarily know the anatomy, right? So yeah, picking things up with palm up is what you're referring to versus palm down. Correct. Yeah. Can you give us a, kind of like you did with carpal tunnel, a 30-second, uh, what, is, what is tennis elbow? Because again, most people have probably heard that, but maybe don't know what it is.
1: So tennis elbow is an inflammation of your wrist and finger extensors um, that come off of the outside of your elbow. And then they attach, they cross your wrist. So they, the tendons across your wrist after the muscle in your forearm. And when those are overused or overworked, they can become inflamed. Um, some people might have an acute injury like, Maybe they had to start the lawnmower 10 times and just that pulling and and stabilizing got them and and they'll be really sore that day. And then it goes away. And then over time it comes back because you keep doing it kind of the same way. So it can become a chronic condition if it's not kind of modified, like we said, you know, if you're going to keep using those muscles the same way and irritating them the same way, it's, it's going to kind of progress and unfortunately not going to get better that way. Yeah. So... There are options that, that I would tell patients. The one thing that my kind of initial go-to is to get a wrist brace um, that crosses your wrist and immobilizes it and sleep in it at night. Um, we don't think of elbow pain having anything to do with the wrist necessarily, but because those muscles actually cross the wrist and we, a lot of times at night, sleep with our wrist in flexion just out of comfort, um, By limiting that motion at night, that can help them rest.
0: Yeah, allows that tendon to recover and heal a little bit overnight without the constant tug on it, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah,
0: so great example of maybe the use of direct access. Again, if you're starting to get some of that outside elbow pain um, and haven't seen a physician for it, maybe starting with a hand therapist and then letting them either treat or direct your treatment to the right person if needed, because there's a lot of newer kind of cool treatments out for the the chronic versions of that if it's not responding to traditional care now. The other thing I heard you say is with mommy thumb, I think is what you called it. Um, Mm -hmm. So they should be having their significant other or spouse change all diapers and wipe all bottoms. Is that correct?
1: That sounds perfect. Yes.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So any moms or dads out there dealing with that, you heard it from Michelle. (laughs) All right, Michelle, anything else you want to share with us today?
1: Nothing off the top of my head. Well, Welcome. thanks for having me, Sam.
0: Yeah, that's that was great. Thanks for, for being here. And uh, we would love to have you back on another time to maybe talk about a more specific diagnosis more in depth, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, okay? Sounds good. All right. And thanks to everybody for listening today. Remember to check out our website at rockvalleypt.com and our Facebook for more information about Rock Valley and our employer health services. Rock Valley has over 50 clinics serving Iowa and Illinois. Our employees live out our tagline every day with the goal of making better lives.